Welcome to The Dangling Conversation. Today I'm joined by President Dr. Mark Walker. First off, thank you so much for joining me. This is the first time we've met face-to-face. It is, and thank you for the invitation. Of course. So something that I was really excited to ask you that my friend Weston suggested was... When was the last time you went down a slide, and have you learned how to retrust slides, or is there still a uh, a, a, an innate fear? Well, first of all, I want to meet your friend Weston, (laughs) since he's the one that uh, inspired you with this question. Well, uh, I don't even know how many of your listeners even know why that question is being asked. So let me just give a very quick recap here. (laughs) This happened in the summer of 2021 mm-hmm. um i have at that time i had three grandchildren i now have four since a fourth one since then but um one day in a pool playing with two of my grandchildren tossing them around i broke a bone in my right foot mm-hmm. and had to have a walking boot but it was not a bit bad break whatever it was going to be a couple three weeks well two weeks later my other grandchild wanted to go down a slide. He loves slides. Mm-hmm. And um, he got scared on this particular slide. And I wanted to ease him of his fear. Yeah. And it was, a, it was actually like a tube. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a closed in like a tube. And it was circular. And it went from one floor down to another floor. This was in a church. This was something they had installed to... Uh, for to kids would be ch- the parents would check their kids in uh, for their for their children's ministry and then yeah. the kids would slide down the slide down the floor to the next floor where the children's ministry was and it was supposedly large enough for adults. Keyword there. Keyword. Anyway, we're we're there at this particular church. I had preached. The pastor wants to show me this slide. My grandson sees this slide. He wants to go down, but he's scared because mm. it's it's dark and right. How old is he at this point? He at that point, goodness, he's two, I yeah. guess. He's three and a half now, but he, so he's two. And so, anyway, I go, hey, his name's Levi. Levi, let Papa go down, and I'll show you it's okay. Well, my wife was vehemently disagreeing. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> terrible, oh, yeah. In fact, her word was stupid uh. several times. <laughs> this is stupid. Mark, this is stupid. And my final, well, not final, but my words were, babe, I got this. I get in the tube. I go down. And as I'm making the first turn in this tube, my left foot, now I've got the right walking boot on, my left foot, which has a dress shoe, catches the side of the tube. Mm. My left foot, I'm going right. It catches the side of my left foot, turns out left, yes, (laughs) and I break my ankle. So that's why this question, interestingly enough, that church the next week, has a sign out that says "No adults allowed." <laughs> so I've, I've, you know, I've got a legacy there at this church now. Yeah. But so to to answer uh, Weston's question, um, it's not so much me and my. No, I, I have no fear of slides. Yeah. It's 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 really for my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> it's my wife has pretty much banned me. Yeah. from all slides, and you should. There, there's a picture. When I'm down at the bottom of this slide and the paramedics are there, my wife is sitting there. Her look at me is, well, if looks could kill, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be here having this podcast with you. So to Weston, uh, 
Yeah, it's not a fear of slides. It's really a fear of my wife. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a healthy fear. It's a healthy. So fear. you haven't you haven't gone down a slide since? I have not gone down a slide Good since. Good decision making. Yeah, yeah. I I remember whenever, whenever that because that that was the the semester after COVID, um, and seeing you in two boots, two boots and crutches, on crutches, yeah. And after like like you know everybody's got their masks and everything's going on, I remember being like, dude. Mark Walker has been dealt one of the cruddiest hands <laughs> to start the presidency. And Not to mention feet as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did you, did you like feel that where it was just like, oh, great. Like I broke my foot, blah, blah, blah. I remember also hearing the story of like, yeah, somebody told me it's because he went down a slide. I'm like, why is a grown man going down a slide? They're like, it was this grandkid. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But. Yeah, like, kind of talk about that. You start the presidency through COVID. Right. Um, you're obviously in a boot. Tons of, pr- like, prayer, decision-making go into, hey, is this what's right? Is this is what is the Lord is leading us into? And you obviously, you took the job before COVID. Like, that was announced before COVID, correct? Yeah, January of 2020 is mm-hmm. when uh, the board... Um, selected me as the president. Yeah. In fact, it'll be January 31st. So that anniversary is coming up here in the next, at the time that we're taping this in the next week or so. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, 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 so yeah, it was January of 2020. And then I guess COVID was like about March because it was spring break. Yeah. And, you know, students didn't return. Um, so we hadn't, yeah, I had no clue that um, what, COVID would be doing and how things would progress and right. you know it's it's like anything else you you pursue the Lord in in something um, and seeking his guidance and trying to determine is this the will he he has for you and what he wants you to do and through many many sources um, this was not an easy decision for my wife and I to make, but through mm-hmm. many different sources that I won't get into. A, it's a long, long story. Maybe we someday we can have a whole <laughs> other podcast. But um, we knew this was what the Lord wanted for us, and um, so when COVID hits and you know break my feet, all those kinds of things, the thing that kept us going in so many ways was this sense of confidence that. This is where the Lord has us. Because, you know, mm. I think so often our tendency is, well, if this is the Lord's will, everything will just play out fine mm. uh, in terms of everything. There's going to be no problems. Everything's just going to be, you know, go smooth. And, well, you really don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I mean, anybody who did what God was asking them to do always ran into some type of challenge, difficulty, hardship. Um, so that's very, if you, if you look at Hebrews 11, which is the hall of fame of faith, we call it, Mm. you look through all those people that it lists that were commended for their faith and Moses and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and all those folks commended for their faith. Every one of them had tremendous challenges. Mm. In fact, it talks about people in Hebrews 11, they were sawed in two, they were left destitute, they lived in caves, they were persecuted, they were martyred. I mean, and they're commended for their faith. Mm. So point of all that is that, yeah, very challenging, no doubt about it. 
but the sense of confidence that my wife and I had that this is where God has us and had us is is uh, what enables us to to really stand up under it. Then there's tremendous team of people here at Lee mm-hmm. and administrators and, and and faculty and staff that um, you know have all all gathered together to to uh, make sure we got through this. So. Um, yeah, I mean, trust me, there were times I'm going, what in the world have I done? And yeah. God, what have you done to me? Which is natural, it's human. But yeah, following the Lord does not mean it's always going to be easy. There's going to be challenges. Yeah, absolutely. What was the transition from being a pastor to being a professor? Because, And also, how does being a professor inform how you have gone about in your presidency? Great question. Um, uh, As far as being a pastor to professor, you you know, one of the main uh, responsibilities and tasks of a a pastor is teaching. Mm -hmm. It's it's preaching and teaching the scripture. So um, what presidency did for me is really, I think, honed my teaching skills so that coming into a classroom, you know, I, I at least had um, some of those gifts, some of those talents and abilities that were, that were, you know, fine-tuned. However, um, standing in a pulpit and preaching or teaching for 30 to 40 minutes, just you're the one talking versus being in a classroom where you right. got to be in there 55 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes, depending whether yeah. it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, while I had a good foundation of what teaching is and communication, certainly had to learn some new skills and new ways of of teaching and presenting mm. uh, because it's different. You're interacting more. You're you're in dialogue. You know, in in the preaching, it's 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 one way communication. <laughs> yeah. In the classroom, it's it's two way. I I feel uh, not everybody does it that way. The real gifted lecturers <laughs> can stand up there and keep everybody in rapt attention, but. Anyway, so I certainly had to learn some new approaches, new skills, and continue to do so. Mm. And then in terms of that, uh, helping in, in informing my presidency is understanding a couple of different things. One, what our faculty have to um, do and what they're facing. And I came in as an administrator. I came as a vice president, so I was only teaching one class. Mm. And just knew how challenging that was. So understanding that our faculty, you know, full time are teaching four. Right. Um, and um, so better understanding the challenge the faculty have, as well as understanding the important role that the faculty play, and that they're on the front lines every day with these students. They have the greatest influence, input, uh, and investment into students on a daily basis. So understanding that dynamic and the importance of that dynamic, I really think has been a, a tremendous benefit in in me and making decisions as a president and viewing um, what are the priorities within the university because you got a lot of different constituencies within the within the institution itself and so having to kind of prioritize those, understanding what happens in the classroom and how important and vital that is. And is the essence of the mission of Lee. Hmm. Um, so I think it's helped me in terms of understanding that that role uh, and its contribution to what we're uh, uh, trying to do uh, here at Lee. I had interviewed Dr. Cross in August, and one of the things that 
I asked him that I also want to pose to you is that like, do you feel the weight of your position? Like whenever I talked to Terry Cross about that, I, I was just, I posed it to him. I was like, you are in charge uh, both directly as a teacher and indirectly as an administrator for the spiritual formation of these students who are going into ministry. Obviously, Lee is not just the school of theology and ministry, but there is more aspects to it. But we do have this emphasis on, we want this to be a place for spiritual flourishment, for growth, emphasizing Christian faculty, encouraging prayer in the classroom, so on and so forth. So I was just curious, like, Terry Cross, and when Terry Cross's response, he's like, I feel that way every day. Like, I understand that that is what comes with this role. And I was curious, is is that something that you also feel? Absolutely. Um, I think any leader in any position of any kind that is wanting to bring transformation to lives and transformation through those lives into the community and the culture is going to feel that weight. Mm. Um because it's a tremendous responsibility, absolutely. And it's, at the same time, while feeling that weight, I don't feel overwhelmed by that weight, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It's not, that doesn't mean I don't have overwhelming moments where you feel like, oh, my goodness, this is bigger than me. Um, and, but it, it's the understanding, again, I do feel that weight and that responsibility, but it's, it's a weight and a responsibility that the Lord has placed upon me but not a weight and responsibility for me to carry out by myself. Yeah. He, a couple of things. Number one, he brings people in that are going to share that weight and responsibility in, in their role. And then two, he supplies <laughs> the strength and the guidance through his spirit by which we can walk under. It's like walking under a yoke, an anointing. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you know, there's that, you, you feel the burden, yeah. but you're not overwhelmed or crushed by that burden. Um, but you do have to take it seriously and, right. and recognize that responsibility. You can't do it flippantly. Um, so yes, every single day, in the saying the words of Dr. Cross, <laughs> every single day I feel that as we sit here and we talk, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, one because I know there's going to be some students that are listening to this and right. potential students perhaps, and right. um, and I, I want you know them to be uh, hearing and understanding. <laughs> you know, what, um, my feelings are and what Lee is and our desire to help every student really understand, uh, their calling in their life and how God wants to use them and whatever their gifts, talents, vocation is that they truly are not just a career waiting to happen. Mm. You know, they're not just a job that we're trying to make sure they can get but they truly are made in the image of Christ and that he has a specific type of vocation for them um, by which he wants to partner with them to bring his uh, transformation to them and through them into mm. the world around them to, to serve and make the world a better place. It's a, what a wonderful opportunity all of us have to do that, but it's a tremendous responsibility as well. And so we certainly want to do everything we can for students to know this, feel this, um, embrace it, mm-hmm. um, and find the pathway and the developmental process um, by which they can become everything they need to become to go out and transform transform the world. It's funny that you talk about like vocation and career and being 
we as Christians are more than just simply our jobs or whatever. Um, but your initial degree was in business. Um, how long did you do, were you in the business world before you made that transition into ministry? What did that path kind of look like? Um, very good question. I think first, uh, maybe a little bit of history of me and my yeah. family. I'm a fourth generation minister. My great grandmother was a evangelist to the Native Americans in the Dakota Territory. Oh wow! My family were some of the first settlers in the Dakota Territory, North Dakota specifically, but the Dakotas at that time weren't divided north and south. So, um, so my great grandmother was a minister. My grandfather, my dad's dad was a minister. My mom's dad, my grandfather on my mother's side, was a minister. My dad was a minister. I've got aunts and uncles that were ministers, my brother, um, and so me. Um, so I'm, I'm neck deep yeah. in ministers all over the place in my family. So when I was headed into college, um, I didn't want to be in ministry because we had that covered in my family. I felt like somebody needed to make some money, so <laughs> I, I, I pursued business. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't necessarily I was running from God. It wasn't like I felt this call into ministry on my life, and I was running from that. I, I really didn't. Mm -hmm. I just felt like this is what I I wanted to do and had no real check in my spirit about doing anything, like not doing it. So pursued business right before I graduated I went to Georgia State, and right before I graduated, I started feeling this sense of business isn't all you're going to do, and that's not going to be your fight. I just started feeling this sense of, I don't know if it's called or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I was about to graduate, so changing majors at that time wasn't practical, as well as, you know, I wasn't sure that's exactly what I was feeling. So went into business, worked for a computer software company, in in middle management, middle leadership, was successful, was doing well. But um, as that progressed, I began feeling more and more about this sense of calling into ministry and vocational ministry is what I mean by that, uh, being in local church work and mm -hmm. being paid for it. Right. You know, so that's what I mean by vocational <laughs> ministry. So in essence, uh, I was single at the time and um, – had an opportunity to be a part-time youth pastor at a small church in North Atlanta. So while I was working full-time at this computer software company, I also worked part-time as this youth pastor to kind of see, okay, Lord, what might this be? You know, mm -hmm. is this where, is this, is this actually the role I'm supposed to play? Because I always was going to be involved in local church. Right. Because even before I took the youth pastor position, I was involved in lay ministry as we like to refer to it and that type of thing. So, Anyway, through that process of being this part-time youth pastor, and uh, I just really began to sense this is what the Lord wants me to do. Um, met my wife, interestingly enough, my wife Udella is a Lee grad. Mm -hmm. um, when she came to Lee, um, it was really primarily more of a Church of God school and a lot of uh, the students were from Church of God. Many of them were Church of God pastors' kids and mm -hmm. missionary kids. Um, and my wife, though she wasn't a pastor's kid, she came to Lee vowing she would never, ever marry a preacher. <laughs> and I had pretty much vowed I wouldn't be a preacher. We got married. I wasn't a preacher. 
But three months later, four months later, I felt God calling me <laughs> to preach. So it was his cruel what was kind of sense of humor. It was uh, challenging. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, Lord, okay, I believe you're calling me to this, but you've got to speak to my wife before I go speak <laughs> to her. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, you know, she was, uh, she felt it. She knew it. Yeah. Um, so she was, she was very accepting of it and open to it. And she's been a tremendous quote pastor's wife and now a great president's wife and yeah. a lot of what I am and a lot of my leadership ability really comes from her she's a natural leader yeah. she really I had to go get a PhD in it she's just natural <laughs> in it um, but uh, yeah so that's to, to, so then that's that's how that transition took place you know um, for three years I was in business and then just really felt like this is this is direction the Lord wanted me to do and I felt called to be a pastor. Um, my dad was a pastor for almost 60 or over 60 plus years, almost 70 of his life. Uh, he died at 89. He went into ministry at 19. Um, so that's, what's been modeled to me. Um, I thought uh, after becoming a pastor, I thought there was no greater calling. Mm. You know, I thought I'd be a pastor the rest of my life, but the Lord had different, different ideas. And, um, but uh, that's how I went from business to to full time ministry as a pastor. How how many years were you a pastor? Thirty three. Wow, you know, no experience leaves us like the same. And whenever you do something for any amount of time, it's going to shape and form you. But like going into it, you probably had some perspe- perception of this is what ministry is like. And by the end of that thirty third year. Looking back, you're like, oh, I had no clue. What was what was the what was the middle ground? What was like the evolution of understanding and be also being like confident? This is yeah, what I'm doing. This is, this a, is so, and growing in that. Yeah, excellent, excellent question. I think early, you know, was kind of this idea. Well, I'm the pastor, and I have the position, and so just by that, everybody uh, should kind of get in step with with what I want to do or where I want to go and um, because I'm the pastor. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I, I really saw this idea of this, the position. And as, as ministry took place and as I began to walk out what it meant to be a pastor, I began to realize it isn't just about position it's about relationship. Mm. You know, I'd always heard that or I, I believed it. Right. But I think, I think people would just, because of my position, they would just naturally um, line up or, you know, and so I, it was in discovering that, it, man, it's really so much about relationship. Mm. It's so much about earning trust and building trust and uh, demonstrating credibility um, and being someone of character and integrity. And, and it wasn't like I didn't know those things per se. But having to live them it, out. Yes, and, and, and just believing, okay, it begins with, okay, the position of pastor, and then everything else kind of falls in place. Well, right. there may be a little bit to that. Yeah, you got to have the position. However to really influence lives, to, to really um, touch people. They got to believe you're real. They got to know mm. you're, you know, you're truly 
who you claim to be. Yeah. Um, and so I think that probably was my greatest uh, development of of over. And so by, when I left, it was about, man, your legacy isn't so much about maybe the sermons you preached or the books you wrote right. or the speeches you gave. It's about the people you touched by being who you were mm. and being the true person um, and, and wanting to spend time <laughs> and being available and just having that word of encouragement at a particular time. Um, and I think one of the, I, I guess I could say one of the proud things about my ministry is that people often said I we appreciate so much that you are accessible you are available Mm. you you don't sit up in an ivory tower you don't come in with this huge entourage you 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 people can get to you people can come to you and I'm you know I'm grateful for that I I take I take pride in that and I've tried to carry that over in my presidency as well right that anybody, whether it's administrator or a student or a staff person or a faculty member, whomever it might be, an alumnus, whatever, has accessibility and availability. I mean, they feel that and they yeah. feel like they're being heard. Doesn't mean I'm always going to agree. Doesn't mean yeah. we're, you know, but that they that they that they have a sense of he believes I'm worth listening to. He believes I'm I I have value. Um, and I think those that that's that's probably the key learning thing I took out of thirty three years of of pastoring. Mm. What do you what do you miss most from being a pastor, and what do you not miss at all about ministry? <laughs> um, the answer to the first question is the people. The answer to the second question is the people. No, that's <laughs> not true. That's not true. Um, I think what I, I I do miss I do miss the 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 kind of weekly sermon preaching and teaching. You know, I I value the opportunities I have in chapel and in speaking and convocation and I get those opportunities more than anybody else. Right. But I do miss that um opportunity to stand in front of a congregation of people that you're doing life with. Mm. And for many of them, you've seen the highs and lows in their lives, you know, and you've you've dedicated their children and you've buried their children. You know, you've mm. you've uh, married them and then you've walked with them through terrible divorce mm-hmm. or the tragedy of losing a spouse. You've so you you know, you've been in the highs and lows with folks and you see folks coming in who are broken for whatever reasons. And you've watched as the Lord through different means that you're a part of heal these people and put them back together and yeah. bring them forward and so though that kind of a weekly regular walking with people um i i miss that i mean that that, that doesn't mean it's not available in the present it's just it's just in a different way right. it's just in a different way so i do i do miss that aspect of it what do i not miss church fighting yeah i don't you know i don't miss the kind of the church politics that can right well trust me there's 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 university politics (laughs) too but i don't yeah i don't i don't miss that that part of the game that's kind of that what i often refer to as the underbelly right of the church and the deal is you know the church is a human institution Right. right wherever you have humans 
it's, it's gonna be not going to exactly it's not going to be perfect and you're going to have problems and so i don't necessarily miss that kind of church politics stuff yeah how do you have boundaries with your job because i think this is becoming a conversation more and more amongst people my age where like boundaries are important like we you know we, we've read books on boundaries so on and so forth and that's becoming more and more realized, especially in ministry. I, li- I listened to a podcast that talked about um, why do Christians emphasize different sins more than others? And like he was like, you know, we don't point to laziness as something. But to get to my point, what, what he ends up saying, he's like, there are two kinds of people that are attracted to the pastoral position, workaholics or those who are incredibly lazy. And he's like, workaholics throw themselves entirely into their job. And in ministry, that's you, you're viewed as this super spiritual. You're such a good leader. You're giving your all. And he's like, and then these people crash and burn and feel hurt by God. And it, it becomes this whole complex. I, I say that to finish his point. But the real question is, like, how do you have boundaries in the presidency? Because this is a demanding job. Like, you have your schedules laid out. We, I think we scheduled this meeting last month. So, like, how do you how do you ensure that you have time for yourself, for your faith, also for your wife and your grandkids? Yeah, that's yeah, and and I think this is the challenge, not just in pastoring and not just in being a president of the university. I think it's a challenge of any type of leadership position in, in any kind of field of endeavor. I think you can right. go into the military, you can go into medicine. You, I mean, you can look at every area where there is a a leadership position it is going to be okay how do you avoid burnout Mm -hmm. but then also how do you avoid just mediocrity Mm. um which i think is what you get down to yeah for me personally you know my greatest boundary uh, her name is udella (laughs) (laughs) you know she uh she tried to mean that truthfully that she does work hard to help me have a good work life balance. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't do it well on my own. Mm-hmm. Um she does help with that and um uh and it is you 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 got to learn how to say no and and then prioritize priority let me try this again. Prioritizing <laughs> is vital. What's what's the most important in a given moment in time? You know, there is this thing called the tyranny of the urgent. Mm. where, you know, we feel ourselves being driven by um, a lot of things that we can, you know, say this this is what's urgent, this is what's urgent. And you really have to, on a consistent basis, kind of get a sense of what's, what's most important in a given moment, in a given time in my life, mm. based upon how I've really prioritized what real effective life is so if we want to take it from a scriptural standpoint what we call you know the great commandment Mm. where jesus christ is asked what is the greatest commandment and he says to love the lord your god Mm -hmm. with all your heart soul mind and strength so there's priority one priority two love your neighbor as yourself Mm. he said that's the second greatest command very interesting there um and you know you hear people say it's god and then it's family and then it's me okay I can get that, but I do think there's something about self-leadership, mm. soul care, mm. B, 
being sure you're taking care of yourself, not from a selfish way where I'm self-centered, but where I am keeping my boundaries or I am constantly kind of recalibrating myself or recentering myself or maybe I've gotten out of balance. The idea love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a there's a self-love, there's a self-care, there's a soul care component that the Lord considers very valuable, mm-hmm. you know, because if I loathe myself, that's going to carry over into mm-hmm. how I treat others. So I've got to have a healthy kind of sense of self-care, self-love. Point of all that is I can't effectively lead others if I'm not effectively leading myself. Mm. And so it's taking the time I have to have to get recentered, recalibrated, get priorities put in the right places where I've gotten them out of balance. How do I do that? Well, the help of important people around you. Right. In my particular case, I have a wife that helps with that. Someone that's not married, who are your close friends, who are people that you you do life with, are you in community with that help to recalibrate you? Um, and, you know, spending time with the Lord, obviously, that helps recenter everything. Um, and then there, I think there's, I think you have to understand the rhythm of your particular job or vocation or calling and knowing that there's going to be some seasons in the course of a year that you're far, you're far busier hmm. than other times and, and recognizing, okay, for the next four weeks, I'm going to be burning it at both ends a little bit. Right. Okay. And, you know, letting your, your, your spouse or your people who are important to you know, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And then planning for that. And then after that, making sure you are taking time, plan time to unplug. Mm -hmm. Schedule is key in a lot of ways. Not just scheduling meetings like we're doing right here. (laughs) We'd schedule a month out. But scheduling time off. Mm. And for me personally, not everybody's this way, but I think a lot of people are. If I don't have it in my schedule, it's not going to get done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you almost have to schedule your priorities. You know, that's for me. I got to schedule my priorities. I got to schedule this is sacred time. And you know, when I first got into the presidency, it was demanding and I had such a learning curve. And I found myself working late at night and like on emails and then early in the mornings and yeah. over the weekends. And it was just really getting unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. And so I had to really, with the help of my wife and prayer, I had to really set aside time and unplug and say, okay, after Friday night, I'm not going to really look at email anymore right. until Sunday evening as we start rolling into Monday morning. I'm going to, over the weekend, unplug. I'm unplugging. Mm-hmm. And um, I've I've almost mastered that, not quite. <laughs> um, and you can't, you know, there's emergency situations that happen. You got to, you, you, you got to, uh, uh, be flexible with. But for the most part, you know, I think you have to schedule your priorities mm. and boy, treat them as sacred and get put yourself with accountability partners, whether that's a spouse or it's a couple of good friends or whatever that is that are helping you to make sure you're keeping the main thing, the main thing in your life. I know it's a long kind of random answer, but no, bounced yeah. all over the place, but hopefully, hopefully there's something in there <laughs> that uh, answers the question. No, that makes a lot of sense. Something that I kind of want to reloop on was you talked about your family legacy and like, you know, the Walker name is 
throughout Lee's buildings, so on and so forth. And I don't know much of that history. That's just kind of like, I didn't get that tour. I didn't show up that day. So whenever your father died, that was particularly noteworthy was the amount of alumni showing up to the chapel. Like I remember, I watched the live stream. I watched Justin talk. That was something that it dawned on me. It was like, oh, like there is not as, not only is there like legacy for the sake of work that's been put in, but there is much love for your family, for your father, for the work that has been put in. And the work is also reflected through you, through like you're carrying on your father's legacy, through Justin continuing that so on and so forth. What does that mean? What are the awesome aspects of that? What are the what are the difficult aspects of that? Yeah, well, you know, the, you certainly are grateful and humbled and appreciate that people view your family with such respect mm-hmm. and 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 love and care. I mean, that's a that's a you know that's a huge um, um, sense of pride and. Um, gratitude um i mentioned you know that i'm a fourth generation Mm -hmm. minister my grandfather my dad's dad grandfather walker we call he he was in the second class of the bible training school which ultimately became lee university wow Uh, in 1918 the bible training school was started by the Church of God to train train ministers. Well, right. my grandfather, at the age of nineteen, came all the way from North Dakota here to Cleveland. Wow! Um, in the second class, in the nineteen nineteen class. So, the point of that is, is my roots go all the way back to the second class of Lee. Mm. And then I, my parents graduated from Lee. My wife, my brother, both my children, aunts, uncles. I got all kind that graduated from Lee over the years so deeply rooted in the history of 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 Lee um so there's a there's a lot of um there's a lot of pride in that there and and you know I'm and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being in a family that has the Lord has given tremendous privilege and favor and opportunity to um, and and to impact lives. Mm-hmm. And so there's a great sense of excitement that comes with that. There's a great sense of responsibility. There's a great sense of fear, <laughs> yeah. you know, that yeah. comes with that as well. Um, and I guess the the difficult side of that is, one, finding yourself try to live up to that. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with aspiring to that, but you got to be careful that it doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. You got to be who you are, and just because you're a part of this particular family in name doesn't mean you've got to do the same things or have the same accolades or the same um, attention. You, you, you've got to be very careful that it becomes more about the legacy than it does the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are those are parts of that, and then people just putting unfair expectations on you yeah. because you are quote this particular family this particular um, lineage um, so you had to you had to really balance through all of that and keep a groundedness about you um, and um, so yeah I mean and, and not all the buildings named Walker or of my family the Walker Memorial is not the, my really? Walker family it's a different Walker okay. family now the Paul Dana Walker Arena that's my brother mm. so that is something named after him per se um 
And uh, yeah, he played here at Lee at, on, in basketball in the 70s, uh, was killed in an automobile accident. Lee University, when they started to expand their gym, were gracious to, to name it after him. Mm. So um, that one is a part of my family. Some others around here aren't necessarily okay. a part of my family. But you know, it's a, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm blessed right. to be in the family line that I'm in. Um, so I see it from that perspective more than I do the curses that can come with it. Yeah. Well, Dr. Walker, I definitely want to respect your time. And I'm really thankful that you uh, decided to take the time to meet with a stranger and have this conversation, record this conversation. I really appreciate your perspective and your heart that is seen in your guys's, you and your wife's approachability. Because your wife is a DZT alumni, correct? That's right. In fact, oh. she's on their alumni board. Yeah. yeah. My my sister my sister is an alumni. She was in DZT, and she always would oh. rave about Udella. Oh, that's um, wonderful. So I just I, I appreciate your presence. You are accessible. I always like liked going to soccer games and seeing you and your wife being there, being a part of campus life. In closing, is there any... Words of wisdom, any people you want to shout out? Is there anything you want to plug? What can we expect for the future of Lee University? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, all those things. Well, first, let me just say the reason Udella and I are here beyond the fact that we believe this is where the Lord has us is for students. Mm-hmm. You, Noah, and, 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 and those, those that make um, the present student body the future student body. Right. And then those that um, are alums. I mean, that's that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I love most about this position. Anybody ask me, what do you love most about presidency? I said the students. Mm-hmm. It's why we came, and that's why we believe God's here, just to invest in students, to help do anything we can within the authority and the power and the position of president that the Lord has um, enabled me to to hold to provide the resources, the opportunities, uh, whatever for students to know who they are in Christ and to be all that they that he wants them to be in the vocations and relationships that he has ready for them that's that's why we're here and and and, and I guess that's the future of Lee that's what we continue to do we want to continue to expand and strengthen what the mission of Lee is all about, mm-hmm. and it is helping students <laughs> prepare for responsible Christian living in a complex world. The world's growing more and more complex. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Mm-hmm. And it's in a desperate need of what Lee provides. Mm-hmm. I fully believe unequivocally, unapologetically, the world is a better place with Lee students in it because mm-hmm. the world needs Lee. Yeah, We need, the world needs young men and women who think critically, who can communicate effectively, who can respect and appreciate, though may not totally completely agree with different cultures um, and viewpoints, and be able to engage in a confident, humble um, way, in an mm-hmm. in, in informed way, from the Christian viewpoint. I mean, we, we got so many ideologies and we want our students to go out there and in whatever their vocation is, whether that be a, a business person or it's a nurse or it's a basketball coach yeah. or it's a minister or it's uh, someone in advertising, whatever that is, 
that they go forth as servant leaders. They go forth with a tremendous work ethic as unto the Lord, and they're used to better the world and serve those around them um, and be able to stand in the um, realm and the arena of the different ideologies and speak truth with all gentleness and respect. Mm. You know, we, you know, we're looking at hopefully in a couple of three, four years, maybe having a school of engineering and, uh, you know, we want to, we want to send, we believe the world of engineering needs at least students in it, right? You know, we want to see our health, uh, care, uh, uh, what we do there in terms of the different degrees and whatever we want to see expansion in the health services. That's a big part of what's happening in the world around us. We want to see, uh, as well as, uh, in, in things like computer science and those wherever there's opportunity, uh, that we don't have right now. Mm-hmm. We want to see how can we be a part of, and send our students equipped and ready to go and truly be the light into a, into a dark world. So, um, that's, that's how I see yeah. what, what, what's ahead for Lee. An engineering school would be, <laughs> that'd be pretty dope. Um, but again, thank you so much, Dr. Walker. This has been a great conversation. Appreciate your time. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did feel free to check out, some of my other ones, um, like I mentioned, one with Dr. Terry Cross, um, another Lee faculty member. I've interviewed Justin Walker, as well as uh, Miss Gloria Scott Richmond. So feel free to check any of those episodes out. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, I'm selling mugs and stickers online. So feel free to check those out. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate the time. God bless everybody.